Well, good evening, everybody. This is the Jimmy Palumbo Show with your host, Jimmy Palumbo. That's right, Jimmy Palumbo here live, saying my name three times, because no one else does. We are live from the downtown Mawa Studios here, otherwise known as Jimmy's Kitchen. That's right. We have, of course, behind the glass, your friend and mine, someone who's doing like 75 podcasts, who has completely forgotten about the aging veteran Jimmy Palumbo. That is not true. Getting... This is the second straight yes. week I've made it here, bro. I'm on a, uh, yeah, which I'm is, on I'm a run. Too, I mean, you're, you're like Lou Gehrig now. Uh, your friend and my behind the glass, Mr. Chris Mojo App Gucci, live from Chop Sports in downtown Matawan. Pleasure. You? It's a pleasure to be here. It looks like I'm in New York City, but I am, in fact, in Matawan. You like the um, special effects we got going on here at Chop Studios. Yes, and I, I, you know, I, I feel, I do feel for you a little bit for really one reason. You live in the tri-state area, mm. and in the tri-state area, there's a tons of Giant and Jet fans, and you're a huge Packer fan, and the Packers have been good since you were 12, and now all of a sudden the Packers lost to the Giants and Jets in consecutive weekends. But you know, when the schedule came out, we should have laughed at that. Like, I, if I were you, I would have been like, oh, this is a nightmare. Because if, like, if you play the Giants in September and you lose, and then the Packers play the Jets, say, in uh, November. What's what's better than than losing to both those teams is being, like, over two-score favorites in both of them. Like, you know, it was over a touchdown <laughs> favorite in both games and back-to-back. Back. Not only did right. we lose, we lost in a bad way both times where it was like – I agree. Uh, it I wasn't agree. like it got away and we should have won. No, we got and, thoroughly and also, kicked. Yeah, and also it's like – and, you know – Listen, you'd be if the Packers lost two in a row, you'd be pissed anyway. But now you got to hear, you know, Vinny from Queens and jerk offs like me. But listen, this is show number 84. Uh, we do counseling on the show. So what we do is when I know Chris is down and we I counsel him through, I'll get him through the storm because I'm a Rutgers fan. So I consider myself, uh, um, you know, what I would like to call, um, what am I? What would you, as a Rutgers fan, I would I say you're a grizzled, you're a grizzled loser, better of losing. Yeah. Now, um, of course, I was about to have a guest, and I don't know where he went. Uh, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a fun time. Uh, so we, it's Aaron's always a wild in. ride here. Aaron yes, but listen, this yeah. is show number eighty-four. Of course, we, we'll try to get right to it. Now, of course, eighty-four. I thought eighty-four was going to be some bigger name. I'm always a, I'll tell you one of the thing I love about at this segment. It's show eighty-four. We talk about numbers. Who wore eighty-four? And I always think, oh, there's going to be like a hundred guys, and all of a sudden, they're like, it's not that many as much as I thought. Of course, you still got, you know, arguably one of you could argue that one of one of the greatest players of all time, really, Randy Moss. Uh, then there's Joey Galloway. Then you got your lousy Giants, Joe Juravicious, and, uh, Aaron Pierce. Currently, David Sills, who I love. I don't know where this guy came from. All of a sudden, he's catching balls uh, because they, uh, Daniel Jones has no one to throw to. And you got Andre Reed. I was going to actually do, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I was going to do another Dallas Cowboy tight end, uh, Jay Novacek, because um, uh, uh, what's, what's the other Dallas Cowboy tight end who's great? Um, Witten. To James me, Witten, me and my brother. Is it, you have to at least rectify Witten, the situation. That terrible. Not, we, I, Jimmy knows it's not James Witten, and I take full I, responsibility for Yes, you were not there. Failing on you that were not show. there. Yes, but me and my brother are convinced that Witten and Novacek are actually the same person because it seemed like Novacek was there. But basically what it was is there was a generic term. They're both – if you if you Google Jay Novacek and Witten, what comes up is 
always wide open Dallas Cowboy tight end. So if you Google that, those two players come up because in I swear to God, what do you get two uh, two games a year? It seemed to me in in the course of I'm going to say about 40, 40 Dallas Cowboy Giant games. Jay Novacek and Witten were open on every play. And I was going to do Jay Novacek, but I just didn't have the heart. Um, and I guess he's not a Hall of Famer, is he, Jay? He's, he's got no, not even close. Long enough, not not, he not some, even close. He had, some big, he had some big years in there, though. Um, it wasn't anyway. even that he had big years. He had big postseasons, <laughs> too, and they won a lot. Yeah, He was just a part of yeah. one of those great teams. Yeah, he's, and he was open and he killed the Giants. But I'm going to go with the football Giants are on the air from 1983 to 1989. Tight end Zeke Moat. Maybe you do remember him. We still love everybody yell out Zeke, Zeke. He was he was such a flawed player, but he was a Parcells guy who like blocked unbelievably. No one ever got around him. He didn't catch many balls. Uh, like I said, he played from the Giants from '83 to '89. He caught a TD pass in the Super Bowl. Can't take that away from him. Uh, and his best season was 84. He had 48 catches, six touchdowns. I mean, it's hard to compare 1984 to today because guys do that in three games now. But back then, that was like that was a decent, like decent blocking tight end kind of guy. With, you know, because nobody the reason why he caught the touchdown probably was they didn't cover him because he didn't catch anything. <laughs> they were like, hey, if we're gonna get beat by Zeke Moat, go ahead. And that's what he was. But fans always liked him. Florida State grad came to the Giants. Uh, like I said, he played as he went to New England, then came back to the Giants and actually played pretty well his last year with the Giants. Um, so I decided to go with number 84 in my prime time of going to Giant games. Uh, number 84, Zeke Moat on the Jimmy Palumbo show. Now, Chris, who do you have? I'm Mine guessing. is a layup. Mine is a layup because we've actually brought him up because you mistakenly thought he was I, number I 80. You thought he was number 80 on the Packers, but he was number 84. I think he's. Probably the best wide receiver in history of the NFL, not going to make the Hall of Fame because of his career was cut short. But they're talking like he might get in now, and I doubt it. But Sterling Sharp, I mean, the guy, he put up crazy numbers before receivers were doing yeah. it. He was the first receiver to ever have 100 catches in a season, and um, now everyone does. But, yeah, Sterling Sharp, uh, right. brother of well, Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp and Green Bay Packer great. Okay. Well, see, to me, Sterling and Shannon are the same player. Again, so, so so the tone of this is we're bringing up players who most guys over 50 think was the same guy. Um, so That's I'll true. leave it at that. But, okay, you're going to go with Sterling Sharp, uh, which I give their parents cre money uh, credit for some, some nice names, Sterling and Shannon. Um, that's pretty cool. So, all right, listen. All right, Sterling Sharp and, of course, Zeke Moat. Now, please don't send me a text saying, why didn't you go with some star or something like that? That's not the point of this. Uh, me and Chris like to sometimes we'll do a big name like Sterling Sharp and Lawrence Taylor and Reggie and all that stuff. But sometimes we do, you know, Ernest Gray and Zeke Moat because it's funny, funny to us when we do it. But all right. Well, listen, I, um, I am totally killing it with Patreon now, killing it. I went from I held steady with 13 Patreon members for about two months. And now, dude, explosion going on here at Shea. I am up to 14 Patreon members. I added one. That's right, 14, which is now I have a new segment because eventually at 99, this is going to end with the numbers. Now it's every number of Patreon. Number 14 is Lou Pinella because he wore number 14 with the Yankees. So, so and you're, number of <laughs> that's, you're just going to recycle all the same guys. <laughs> yes. Like, and we're no, up to we'll 84. When did you graduate? 84. Zeke Moa. If I ever get to 84 Patreon members, that'd be wonderful. 
Uh, but we could be doing Zeke Mo on two weeks if things go my way. But I always like to rattle off my my uh, Patreon members. 13? You could also be doing a Rod. You got fourteen now, Lou Pinella, right? No, but we went. I, I didn't, you could be doing a Rod next week and doing uh, I going skipped. backwards. I, yeah, if I drop one, one drops out, we have to go back. So that's you never know. We could be we could be down in the Yankee retired numbers very shortly. But here are my Patreon members: Alex Stetsena, who's from Ramsey, New Jersey, great keyboardist. My sister Mary Eileen Riccardi, and a huge fan of mine, and my sister Mike Demosi, big George Demo, getting it done. My mom Eileen Palumbo, who supports me in more ways than one. My cousin Joey Palumbo, getting involved here. Big Giant fan. He knows exactly who Zeke Mowat is. Uh, Rob Pastor, an old Kappa Sig buddy of mine. Love to, love to have him. See him at Rutgers games. James Kanowitz, my horrific didn't get back to me website guy. Um, I'm totally giving him shit, but that's because I found that his entire family got COVID and hospitalizations. He's all over the place. I love James. He's known. He has a killer podcast on Fletch, um, the Fletch cast. Go check that out. He's a supporter. My nephew, Jimmy Riccardi, named after me and also a big Giancarlo Stanton fan. Gotta love that. My other nephew, John Henry Riccardi, getting involved, Penn State grad, working in L.A. in the business of show with the company that uh, produced um, uh, the movie. He's going to love it. The movie with the blind people, Coda. Uh, so he's working there for the head guy who owns it. That's cool. Uh, Eric Palumbo, my other nephew, my first nephew, and my godchild who comes in from downtown Austin, Texas. He works in the computer industry. Uh, Michael Caprio, my second second baseman, who is also owner of CornholeLevel.com, which we'll hear about in a minute. My brother, Frank Palumbo, who is my, uh, I love him, and he helps me out very much. He superseded, I won't tell you the amount, but he decided to go a little above and beyond the standard tiers of Patreon, I'll leave it at that. So that's a very good thing. And then there's my buddy Daryl Clark, who's really an internet friend, or not really. I mean, I met him through the internet with Beer League and stuff. Uh, as soon as I get that poster signed, bro, I'll get it down to you. I promise. I'm going to see Artie maybe next week. And also my new Lou Pinella, number 14, coming in, Greg Casalino, my old buddy from Colonia High School. Also, uh, we were roommates at Rutgers. Uh, uh, Greg Casalino, or otherwise known, he's probably going to get mad at me for this, and I won't do it next week. Uh, Greg Miller, he, he decided to change his names. He's a uh, he dabbles in showbiz and different things with his kids. His kids are awesome. They're talented and they're smart. Uh, that's really cool. But he decided to hop into Patreon, so I decided to give that a good mention. And please, everybody, you got to go on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all the stuff. Uh, all that support is huge. I got to bring this up right away. I got a big show this Friday and Saturday uh, at the Comedy Co. from downtown Springfield, New Jersey, uh, at Scotty's Steakhouse. Um, it's I'm headlining. It's a regular comedy club. It's a cool place to see a show. You got to trust me on this. It's one of those low-ceiling, old-school comedy clubs, like has that 80s feel to it. It's it, Comics love it. It's a cool room. The show will be good. Um, hopefully I'll be good, but the other comics will be good. Uh, and please, the number's 973-376-3840. 973-376-3840. The Comedy Cove. Get your tickets there. Friday, Saturday night at 9 p.m. Um, should be a good show. Or go online. I'm going to be posting links all week. So now that I can take a breath here, take a sip of my coffee there, Chris, we got to discuss the weight problem. 
The weight problem. And we all know. I'm glad you're done calling weight. it the weight situation because it's definitely well, not a situation anymore. Well, well, yes and no. Let, let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, I admit, I admit, just like anything else, I am struggling with the weight thing. Uh, and this weight thing is when you're struggling with something, what do you do? Have somebody sponsor it. That's right. The weight issue problem situation is sponsored by your friend and mine, Absolute Ira. That's right. 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937 or 732-326-Eyes. There you go. Chris is wide awake. He didn't have his coffee yet. It's uh, my good friends, Craig and Janine Michaud, brother and sister. They're licensed opticians. They got everything there. Eyewear, sunglasses, safety glasses, sports glasses, glasses for the kids are getting involved. Contacts, eye exams, everything's done on site. Fans are going crazy there. Uh, $100 off a complete pair of glasses. If you mention this show, they're a big time supporter of Chop Sports as well as the Jimmy Palumbo Show. And they have many kinds of glasses there. Your attention, please. All rise. Now available at Absolute Eyewear, Ray-Ban Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Chu, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, Costa Del Mar, and Oakley, not ex-Nick, Charles Oakley. <laughs> I thought I did a much better Bob Shepard there. I really took some time with that, Chris. Did you appreciate yeah, that? I, I do appreciate it. And you usually, I wouldn't say you rush it, but towards the end, but, it's like a little mix of Jimmy Palumbo and Bob Yes, Shepard, I get it. Right? I, I, that's okay. And listen, listen, because I really am Bob Shepard. You know, like what, if, I, if I was one of those Buddhists or whatever that believes in like afterlife weird stuff, I would have no problem becoming Bob Shepard. Um, I, I wish I did have that job. And they're open five days a week. And Chris, they're closed on Sundays. Why? Because of football Sunday and the New York Giants are five and one now. So. Yes. Yeah. And they're closed on Wednesday. Why? Because obviously softball day. There you go. So go see them. Tell them I sent you. Uh, we love them. And thanks, Johnny and Craig. Even though Craig really doesn't listen to the show anymore. Jerk off. So that's another thing. I, but I love calling the owner a jerk off. But when you leave there, you don't feel like a jerk off. Absolute eyewear, Woodbridge, New Jersey. That's my long air that I like to do. Now, let's get to my weight loss, and I'll be brief. Now, last week, I came in at 199. I was a little disgusted with myself. But this week, now, I lost a pound. I came in at 198. Now, I know, listen, when you're a bad weight-losing team, when you're, when you're a bad program, when you're the Rutgers of weight loss, you, you, and you get a first down, you have to cheer. Uh, you know, I lost a pound. I played some pickleball this week. I got I'm doing 11,000 steps a day at least. Um, that's helping. I had some shitty nights in there, though, where I got caught. I have a rough week with stand-up shows coming up. I'm doing three shows this weekend. Uh, that could be problematic. You know, nothing but chicken wings and, and mozzarella sticks at those places. You but I'm going to try to hold. You start sorry. packing a lunch. A little packing yes. a meal with you, a little brown You're right. bag. I got to start doing it. But I lost a pound, and I got to take it. So I came in at 198. So uh, I'm on my way, even though it's a Piper Cub. Um, and that's it. All right, let's get to a couple of sports things. Obviously, uh, Rutgers had a bye week. Now, look, I was down on Rutgers, miserable, but I started reading crap online. But you know what? He's, the fans are too hard on, on Shiano. He, he, we, we, 
we lost two rough games to Iowa and Nebraska, but we usually get blown out by those teams. And I've decided that I looked at everything. I think some of the teams that they play that everybody says, oh, we're not going to win. I watched them the last two weeks. They're not that good. Uh, I, we play Indiana this week, homecoming. I don't think Maryland's that good. The QB might be hurt. Um, uh, now, when I say that good, I'm not saying they're better. They're better than us. But these games are winnable, in my opinion. I don't think Minnesota is what everybody said they were going to be. I don't think Michigan State's all that good. And I, I listen, I think they're just average teams that aren't that great in down years for their programs. And I still predict that the Scarlet McKnights will finish 6-6. Six and six. All their quarterbacks are healthy. They'll all be in the game. And I think this is the first year in about 100 years where Rutgers, for the first time, actually improves from week six to week 12. All the pieces are there to improve. And if they improve and we're playing the teams that I think are a little shady, six and six. What's their record right now? Three and three. Mm. Now, they have six. I I think Maryland's offense is better than you think, too. Yeah, they definitely are. But what's his name might be hurt. So that's that's true. They're running the ball well, though. And uh, But they don't have an offensive line. And our defense is pretty good. Nebraska put up 37 points last week. So, I mean, um, I, I just think Michigan State's not – I just think it's possible. Now, the two losses, of course, are going to be Michigan and Penn State. The Michigan game, they're just, they're just like Ohio State. They're big, fat, strong, tall. Uh, <laughs> I just don't think we go in that game. Anyway, so I'm predicting 6-6 six and six for the Giants. I mean, for Rutgers, but we got to get to my five and one New York Giants. I mean, this is the most fun. And my guest coming on in a few minutes is a Giant fan as well. I listen, the Giants are so flawed, but I remember other years in the last, say, eight, where I thought the Giants had, they were like one, they were one and four a couple years or 0 and four, one year 0 and five, where I was like, you know what? We really should have been three and two. We're better than 0 and five. This is the year where it's like, you know what? The referee calls uh, Baltimore Ravens. I mean, if it wasn't Harbaugh and he wasn't there for 100 years, that that was a fireable game, I think. Uh, I thought his play calling was lousy. Uh, They made mistakes. But the Giants, they have a new regime, a new GM, a new culture in the clubhouse. And and I listen, if Daniel Jones had an all-pro wide receiver, he would be a top four quarterback in the league statistically this year. He throws to no one. They got David Sills running around. You got these guys that are awful wide receivers. And and he gets it done. He's he's a he's more than a game manager. He gets it done. He's a tough kid. Um, I don't know if they should sign him because that's a when you get into re-signing your quarterback, and you guys touch on this on your show all the time, Chris. You get into this 40-year, 90 million. I don't know about that. All I know is Daniel Jones I mean, is not the issue with the Giants. Not- put it this way. You're actually in a fortunate situation with Daniel Jones because it took really long to develop. So he's not going to demand this massive second deal that most quarterbacks would. So you could probably get him on like an extension of a rookie deal in, in essence because he was a six pick. So he's getting paid a lot. In you terms can't of sign him for five. You can't give him five years. I, I believe they, I don't believe they will. I think you might see a very uh, it's it's going to be tough. There'll probably be a four year deal, but there will be realistic outs for the Giants after the third. Right. So meaning like and, if they anyway, really want to get rid of him after three years, they could. The bottom line is Daniel Jones, and they're fun to watch. Uh, it's finally nice that Thibodeau get in on a play, even though you really didn't hear his name the whole game. Daniel uh, Jones will the be Giants, the Giants' starter next year. They're playing themselves yeah. out of a high draft pick as, as well, so it's not like they're going to be able to pick yeah. one of these studs. It's going to be nobody. If I they agree. were, yeah, I agree. Uh, they just seem to me they they seem well coached, organized. 
There seems to be a philosophy, a culture change, uh, all that stuff. You know what's great, too? And this is for all my Giant fans. We don't have to watch the Red Zone anymore. We don't have to hear about the Cowboys and Packers and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. We get to watch our game. And because the Giants have sucked, they're on at 1 o'clock. Enjoy yourself. Beautiful day. You sit behind a couch, and you get to watch the whole Giant game without going to the Red I haven't watched the Red Zone once this year. And once the Giants win, I, I go out. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Sounds, My work is you done. Sound, you sound like you, great. you haven't been here I, in quite a while right now, and it's, it's showing I, because you listen, should know better. You should know better. You might be back on the red zone in two weeks. Well, just be careful. That's not what I said, though. I said I haven't watched the red zone. Okay. I didn't say I wasn't going to. I didn't ever. Did I say I'm never going to watch the red zone again? Believe you me. First of all, but here's what's great about being five and one in the in the awful NFL, which the awful league that it is. And last night's game, every argument that I make against the NFL every week is proven that I'm right. Last night's game was atrocious. And you know what? The Giants could lose four in a row. They'll be five and five and totally well alive for a wild card game. And that's all you really want. But listen, my Giants, I love them. Uh, Cowboys lost. They got smoked. Packers. I'm not, I don't hate the Packers. I just do because you're a Packer fan. Um, and the Jets won. Listen, my Jets. I'm not, I'm, my Jets. I, let me rephrase. The Jets, four and two. They're fun. So, like I told you, I know you started a, a sports company. Giants and Jets, you started at a good time because the Giants and Jets stunk. But, you know, if the Giants and Jets, if they both go like 11 and 5 or 12 and 5, whatever you call it, or God forbid, um, you know, things like fantasy and other teams, you're not going to hear about the Chiefs and Mahomes. It's going to be Giants, Jets, baby, uh, which is fun because they've stunk for so long. But after a while, like Met fans, the Jets will irritate me. And <laughs> I'll start to hate the Jets by week 12. Um, but listen, they're playing well. The Jets and Giants have been so bad, bad, bad teams. So it's fun. Now, let's get to my Yankees. Um, crazy week. Really weird. They blew. They just blew the other games. Um, they, they played well to get to game five. The rain thing yesterday. Um, I uh, Everybody's bashing in Major League Baseball, and I'm sure you have thoughts on it. Um, but... Um, I, they tried to get the game in the weather report. I, 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 listen, where I was working last night, everybody had their phones out. Everyone said around nine 15, it'll clear up. And then like really another band of rain came through and um, that was it. And they tried to get the game in. I don't really blame. Um, I just don't blame. Uh, they tried and it didn't work out. Mother nature said, you know, go fuck yourself. Um, so that's it. Now today, four o'clock. Game five, I don't know really. Uh, you know, I think uh, Cortez. Uh, I don't know. I, I you know, all I know is if it if the Cleveland closer is pitching in the bottom of the ninth and the, and the uh, Guardians are up by a run, we ain't hitting that guy. No way. So my thing is, we got to be up four to two, five three, five one, get a big lead. If it's if the Yankees are down four to three in the eighth, they'll pitch that guy for two innings. I don't think we're going to get on base against them. That's my opinion. He's got that Mariano. He's not as good as Mariano, but with our lousy hitters at 225, and I will predict my boy, number 27 for the New York Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton, will take us to the next round. Which Does the Houston game start like at one hour after the Yankee game? <laughs> so the Yankee games are four. The, the Houston Yankees. Uh, I thought they played like at 9 o'clock tonight. They have to fly to Houston and uh, whoever wins. <laughs> Yeah, but so still, I, I, it sucks I'm, to have one day, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's it on that. 
Also, uh, so I predict Giancarlo and the Yankees will win, but I say that just as a fan. Um, also, uh, the Knicks start on Wednesday, and that is very exciting because <laughs> nobody can. Anybody that's into no- October, November, December basketball is is a creep. Um, but I'm a, listen, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. I thought they were going to be great last year. I was all excited. And then Vegas came out with that low number, and I went, uh-oh. Vegas is never on. This year, I read in the paper that some people think they're going to be like 42 and 40. Um, I don't know how good the Knicks are going to be, but they got Brunson. I'm just going to watch as a, as a, you know, just a fan, a generic fan, and I'm going to totally enjoy it. And uh, that's that. As look at that mayhem going on with my set production crew. How great is that? Look at you. That Yours looks much better. Let me see if I could just reach behind me. It's going to be great. What if I had no pants on? I don't even know how to do this. You're doing a Zoom special, bro. I can't do it. We're live here in front of downtown. What am I? I feel like I'm doing my show from Fort Myers two weeks ago. That might be the funniest thing I've said in a month. Hang on a second. We're live, and I'm cha- we're gonna we're gonna change this set around. This is gonna be like the newlywed game. <laughs> Another shitty joke. That's funny. Jeff Cantor, you're gonna have a. I hope you're backing up your material right now. We're going to get to get a good look at Jimmy's ass now, though. That's the idea. How's that? Uh, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't good. so bad. We didn't even get to see your ass either. We thought we would get a little bit of crap. Yes. My ass is the best ass in showbiz. All right. Well, we are moments away uh, from... I, of course, I, I'm looking for all my information. And, of course, it's right here. Here we go. And it's time for... CornholeLevel.com. That's right, my sponsor. Now, Cornhole Level also sponsors my studio, and uh, I'll be talking to them about that. And CornholeLevel.com. Listen, Chris, you've played Cornhole before, and you've been to a party when the guy's Cornhole board is not level, and it's shitty. But what do you do? You whip out your Cornhole Leveler at CornholeLevel.com. And you know what? The board is level. It makes for a perfect, accurate cornhole board. It does it this way, that way, this way. All that. It gets it ready to go for live tournaments in your backyard where you drink a beer in the most uh, dumbest game on the history of the planet besides pickleball. And um, you got to go to cornholelevel.com, 20% off. If you say JP Sports or Chop Sports, this thing is awesome. It's owned by my friend, Michael Caprio, who's my second, 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 second baseman. And um, you got to go check this thing out. It's awesome. It's a little clip, perfect for the holidays. If you know someone who's into cornhole, you probably really don't like them anyway. But if you if you really want to give them a gift, your neighbor who plays cornhole, you buy these things, you clip it on the board. It totally balances the board perfectly. It's an awesome little thing. It actually works. And it's recommended by the Jimmy Palumbo Show. So go to cornholelevel.com and Cornhole Level sponsors one of my favorite segments of the show. I've been saying for years, the NFL stinks, the game stink, the refs, the refs are the stars of the league. And here we go. Week six. All right. Buffalo Bills upgraded to very good. New York Jets, very good. I had to put the Jets in very good because this may not last. So they beat the Packers to bust your balls. All right, all right, we get it. Good we get it. We get it. I know, I know. You're, you're man. I'll, I'll I'm, leave, I'm, I'll I'm over it. I'm over it. I'll lay up the pack, Packers, especially when the Packers have a really high draft pick next year. Then we have Miami Dolphins stink. New England Patriots, I'm going to put his average. They're close to being stink again. 
Baltimore Ravens average. The Bengals average. The Browns and Steelers, they both stink. Those teams stink. Tennessee Titans average. The Colts are average. The Jaguars stink. The Texans stink. Kansas City Chiefs, only good. They've been downgraded for a while. The Chargers are average. Oh, watching that game yesterday. Broncos stink. The Raiders stink. Back to the NFC East. Uh, we got the Philadelphia Eagles, probably the best team in the league. They're at very good. The New York Giants, I got to do it. Very good for one more week. Of a little, all my Jets and Giants have a little tag. It says temporary in parentheses. They're, so they're temporarily very good. Dallas Cowboys average. I came close to putting him in the stinks list, but I think the Eagles are good. Uh, Washington stinks. The Vikings, hey, five and one, just like the Giants. They're very good. Packers, Bears, and Lions stink. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers average. The Falcons average. Saints stink. Panthers stink. 49ers average. Rams average. And the Seahawks and Cardinals, they both, they all, no, Seahawks are average. I came so close to making them stink. And the Cardinals stink. So I have 14 stinks, 12 average, one good. That's the least of all time. And for a record, a record of all time, five very good teams in the NFL, which is mind-boggling, up from three from last week. Um, but uh, I still think that'll change probably by next week. And, uh, and for you Giant fans out there that are already counting the Jacksonville game as a win, uh, calm down. Okay, let's yeah, just watch I don't know the why. game. The Giants uh, are, are you know, getting points. It's like we get the Giant fans are like we're getting laid for the first time. So we're like, oh, we you're not talking to your parents. You're you're coming home late. If you you're, go all over Twitter on Twitter, it's like you see BetMGM and all the Caesar sports books. They're saying Giants. Um, they're they're talking about it's literally the sports books putting out ads saying the Giants are getting points this week. So they're begging people, literally, it's, quite literally begging. begging people to take. Here the comes Giants. the big. I I agree. I, I I'm just gonna watch the games. I'm not gonna predict anything. But you know what? I have today a very, 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 very special guest. He's an actor. His name, he actually lives in my town as well. Um, his name is your friend and mine. Let's give it up for the fabulous Jeffrey Cantor, who's now uh, only giving my back. Are you I'm urinating? Sorry, I thought I thought that's I saw I saw you do that, Jimmy. So I thought that's what you're supposed to do on your podcast. Okay, you see that? See that? You're you're just ahead of the curve. I love that you put on that shitty giant hat. That's even better. I, I've watched games with you when you wore that hat. We were at Brady's. That, that was the game, the Cowboy game. We got beat. We were so pissed. Remember about three years ago? But you're wearing the giant cap. You're a friend of mine, Jeff Cantor. Jeff, welcome. This is Chris Gucci. Say hello. He's my Hi, Chris. my cohort. My behind the glass on, Jeff. Sorry, sorry so, about your Packers. Yeah, it's been a tough, it's been a tough couple <laughs> tough weeks, run. but yeah, know, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. Um, so listen, Jeff Cantor is an actor, and you've seen him on tons of TV shows. I actually printed out his IMDb. Um, and you and so my Jeff, mother, you and my yes, mother. Yes, I know. I know. I, I will my IMDb page. Well, that's true, and plus. Uh, I know if anything's available on eBay, my mother buys it. If it has my name on it. I'm sure your mother does the same thing. I don't put um, things on eBay, but but I do. Yes, love you that. do. Well, fan, I, your I do fans do. Your, I do love that your Patreon page is like your entire family. 
Yes, that's well, that's great. It shows I have good support right there. Yes. And you know what, Jeff? You have enough bookings lately where I'm guessing I might be Thurman Munson next week with a 15 coming in with Jeff Cantor. You would never do it. I know you wouldn't. You, maybe I'll try to talk. I don't know if I, you know, that, that's a great, that should be in Vegas this week. Will Jeff Cantor spend $3 a month on Jimmy Palumbo? I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't, judging by right, the, the sound of that reaction, it's a hard no. Oh, it's a hard no right there. All right, well, listen. First of all, Jeff has been on like 150 TV shows and films. Uh, most recently, he was in shows like Daredevil. We recurred on that and tons of other shows. We're going to get to all that. Um, but I will say he's got a really cool movie coming up on October 28th. And Jeff, you're going to talk about it. It's called Call Jane. And it stars Elizabeth Bank, uh, Banks, uh, Kate Mara, who, by the way, is the owner of New York Giants. If I ever, I'll, if I do a movie with Kate Mara, I will be fired from the production because the guy's like Jimmy. You can't just get. She doesn't want to talk about the Giants. It's well, her grandfather, you know, owns the he owns the Giants. How could you not have dialogue? I wouldn't be able to do a scene with her. Like, what if I if I was doing a scene with Kate Mara? I'd be like, what is your name? I think. Uh, uh. Hey, Kate, what do you think of the Giants? If I I wouldn't be able to. I would lose my my Meisner approach. Would I think if like if, even if I was Daniel Day Lewis. You know, and I had my left foot behind my back and I was doing a scene with Kate Mara. Eventually, I'd be like, oh, I think they can beat Jacksonville. I'm so sorry. You want coffee or anything? Anyway, so getting made this about me. I want to make it about Jeff. But Jeff's in an awesome movie. It's called Call Jane. Elizabeth Banks, Kate Mara, Sigourney Weaver. And takes place in 1968. I think it's going to be a really uh, uh, important historical movie. And uh, Jeff, I would like you to take it away about all about this awesome movie which comes out so, october yeah 28th. so so called jane comes out um it's been doing the uh festival circuit uh phyllis Naj directed it um her her big film carol won some awards and um the the film came was at sundance uh, at the same time as a um documentary about this movement so the call jane or the jane movement was the sort of underground railroad for women to get safe abortions um in chicago at a time when abortions were illegal in this country and set against the backdrop of political upheaval in the United States anyway. And Elizabeth Banks is just remarkable in it. Um, it was shot on film, which is rare. Um, and uh, I, I finally saw it. Um, it was, so it's been, it's been doing the festivals. It was in London at the London Film Festival. It was at the Hampton Film Festivals at the Mill Valley Film Festival. So I saw it in, um, for my first time uh, last weekend in East Hampton, and it's it's just excellent. Um, it it it's not preachy. It is not morose, um, and I don't want to give it away. But it, it tracks one woman who um, is an upper middle class white woman who is um, forced to reckon with um, not being able to you know live the life or get what she needs, um, and uh, uh, around around this this particular issue and and we track this woman and she's uh you know she's strong and independent and does what she has to do to to, to save her own life and and um i i would say elizabeth banks should, should certainly be up for an award scorny weaver is great as usual kate mara is just terrific uh this guy chris messina plays um elizabeth's husband and he's you know he's spot on with his performance. I mean, I, I, he's a great guy and he does great work. So it was a real privilege to be part of it. Um, Very cool. I, I sort of played the only I role that, that a guy my age 
could play in the movie anyway. And I, I play the doctor who gives um, Elizabeth Banks her diagnosis and prognosis. And so it's right. around, if you see the trailer, you'll see it's around the I watched the trailer her. this morning. It's, it seems very, you know, as Jeff, you know, I don't get, I'm, I have, I don't get political or I don't touch these hot topic buttons, but it seems to me, I didn't see the movie yet and I will as soon as it comes out. I'm interested in it. Uh, it's more about someone's journey than it is any kind of, um, you know, how each individual feels about it, which I think is going to make the movie more powerful. If you feel one way and you watch the movie, you're going to have a feeling. If you feel this way and you watch the movie, and I think that's I, I the kind think, of thing. I think you're right. You know, it, it's definitely not about abortion. It's about a woman's, really a, a woman's um, strength in the face of, you know, a, a society that did not support or right. champion women. And, and it, you know, I mean, you don't need to get political. It, it is certainly a challenge, Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, this came out. We were filming yeah, the before that is good. We were filming right. it before it happened. And, and I, I remember thinking, like, this movie has to come out now. Like, this movie should come out right now. And I, I, um, I love watching movies where, I mean, 1968, I was only three years old. But I love watching movies that when you watch you go oh my god i forgot like you couldn't do that back then right um you know uh, it's like you forget that not that long ago maybe it is a long time ago it wasn't that long ago I mean, but it's like wow you couldn't do this you couldn't do that so i enjoy that kind of thing um i look forward to watching the movie uh it's gonna be awesome go check out jeff Cantor in call jane comes out next week it's gonna be fun or oh, two weeks it's gonna be fun weeks. now I, I got to ask you a couple questions. Okay. First of all, you know what? I had Louis Martini on last week. You know, Louis. I have Jeff on this week. These are guys that I consider my colleagues. Um, they both probably have a few more bookings than I have, some more high profile stuff. Um, Jeff, of, of course, uh, fights the same battle as an actor in his 50s um, who's been doing it a long time, knows what he's doing. Uh, but, you know, the struggles of, of being an actor this long, you know, a lot of people, they do acting for 10, 12 years. Things don't go their way. They book some stuff and they end up, you know, becoming an accountant. They move on. But guys like Jeff and Louie and myself are still we're still in the ring, <laughs> punching away. And I, I, I got to ask, what was your and I always love when I, my friends that book a lot of work. And we, I, I love the like you've worked on Law and Order. I, you, we both worked on similar shows, which is fun. But what was your first like out of the box? like TV gig where you were able to call up your parents and say, Mom, like, I'm going to be on channel five on Tuesday night at eight o'clock. What was your first one? So actually my very first TV gig. So I went to, to drama school in London and finished in 1987 and booked my first TV job in London for, okay. for the for London weekend television in 1987 on a show called the night network. So Imagine, if you will, MTV is really relatively new. Um, yep, sure and was. I was a VJ. And I was, oh, wow. And I put the needle on, and I, so I created this character called the Axeman, loosely, very loosely based on early um, uh, Howard Stern. So Howard oh, Stern, wow. no one even knew who Howard Stern was except for our producer. And I got some clips of him, and, and I didn't imitate him at all. Um, but but his name came up when we were talking about the character a little bit, just that, that you know, just a little irreverent. And um, I would write my own segments and I would put the needle on a record and you'd see like, a, you'd, you'd see a video. And um, right. the greatest part about that gig 
besides that it paid money and it was in England, was that it also, um, I had the perks were just amazing. I went to see concerts, great seats at concerts all over London in the late 80s. And the music scene wow. in the late 80s in London was as, as good as the music scene has ever been anywhere on the planet. So that sure, was great. Sure, and then I no came back to the States that. and couldn't get shot. Um, you know, of course. I, I, I couldn't get any work. I was a social worker. I painted sets. I went back to England for a little while. And so my first, my first TV gig, because um, it was my first play. So I did a couple of plays. Um, and that doesn't, but that doesn't count. Your mother I, can't. I, I go by what, what can your mother and your well, friends? Because remember, my this parents, is pre-internet. I, you actually had parents, to call up your friends and say, "I'm going to be on TV." Cared too. about plays. <laughs> they, they like theater. No. So anyway, but my first t- the first TV gig was Law and Order. Law and Order. Now was it uh, Jerry Orbach Law and Order? It was. Or who it, was it was Law and Order with a call flagship. And um, and it was it, what, what was it, it the was first season? What first season? First season of Law and Order? Or no. no, no, it could have been. Yeah, Law and Order's been on. Law and Order came um, on with like Banachek. Not that long. I mean, you you have the IMDb page. I don't even know, but but it was. Um, I was my, my, my printer I, doesn't I didn't work have that a well. Didn't and go I had back hair at the time, and I was um, playing a young Jewish man who was in charge of a a Jewish singles cruise. Wow. And and it, so it, you it were playing cult. a gay Jewish man, perfect for that. You're perfect. No, no I, I, I wasn't gay. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I um, I uh, so you know, I I, I made no intonation about I, I, that. I just was it, saying, but, but it was that cold what, open, you know, those cold opens. Which, so it, uh, it, it starts on me, and I'm being interviewed by the cops, and there's a dead body, and they sprayed down the the pier, and it was like cold. This poor, yeah. this poor background actress is on the ground dead in the wet. And oh. they were not taking care of her at all. And this poor girl was like freezing. And finally they had to get like the, they had to find a way to warm her up. They didn't have those little wormy things at the time. Right. No, back then it was like old school. Yeah. yeah. So that was my, that was my introduction to the law and order universe. And, and it's, I've done wow. Altogether, I've done, I want to say 13 Law and Orders. Wow. Yeah. You got me beat. I've done six or seven. Well, that's my goal. Like, that's yeah, like I know. My goal. I know. Like, I that's know. But, you know. I, like, listen, I don't even really want to be an actor. But, I just want to get more work than you. Well, here's the beautiful thing. If Jeffrey and I are going in for the same role, the casting director's really bad. <laughs> I can't think of what I've, I've watched your work and you're awesome. I'm like, oh, that, I can't do that. I can't do it. Just like, I don't think you could have played third base in beer league. Um, uh, you know, uh, no. so we, we never are right for each other, but the best part about Jeff, well, two things I want to get to. First of all, a lot of people are going to remember this. Maybe Chris will as well. You were on, forget about your TV and film work. You've done a ton of that. Um, Daredevil and stuff like that. But I, your Charmin commercials we're no, all, not all I mean, I, schmuck. Not Charmin. What was it called? Kleenex. What was it? Kleenex. Charmin, Kleenex, same shit. Um, listen, I know that paid half your house, uh, but Jeff was the guy sitting on the couch with the Kleenex. Sorry. I, I was the good listener. We're live here. 
Uh, and you were listening on the couch. Chris, do you remember those spots with the guys in the middle of the intersection? I, so, I, it was I, like a, I, so it's funny. So I did over. So I, I can tell you, I did. How over, many spots did you do? Oh. Um, so they only created. So they created about seven spots. But there was oh, also this seven. whole. We had 15 or 16 different things on the on like web little web spots um but i also right. did live interviews and was on like cbs morning show i would do these events and i i right. I, inter I interviewed santa claus at the mall of america that's great yeah uh, during the now chris you, you remember the spots you i do the guy of course on the couch? Uh, I, I did all <laughs> it was like it was like the version of the, the mayhem commercial with the allstate it had like a recurring thing yeah, I remember that. Right, yeah, I yeah. did over. I did over nine hundred interviews. That's awesome. It was you insane. Must have been paid very well on that. Thank you. Um, yes, and even though you after had that, to, uh, so I can tell yes. you after that, after that. So I don't know if you remember. You know, if you remember the commercials, the you never really saw my face that much. It was usually them, right? So the back of my head, or maybe the side of my head, right. and them. No, no beard either. Uh, so on the streets of New York or wherever I was, I'd get this. Like they think they yeah, recognize no. me, but nah. <laughs> like, right, which was a good together. thing for. Well, you know what though? That's technically a good thing though, because had you been Mister Kleenex, you wouldn't have been able to maybe at the time back in the day. You know, people now you can do anything, but back then you would have been maybe pigeonholed, and the campaign well, yeah, goes I mean, away. You know, as a Kleenex. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're not, you're not, you're not seeing. Um, I'm sure she's okay with this, but you're not seeing flow on on tv and tv or film well because she produces the spot she's a multi-millionaire right, right, you're not I, seeing her doing other stuff you're not seeing the guy who was can you hear me now you're not you're not seeing him in right in, in film or tv they, they well, actually will, they actually did a curb your enthusiasm episode about this with jason alexander where he was struggling to right. break the mold of george to get worked Yep, that it happened. I mean, I know when I did my commercial with Peyton Manning, people were swearing that I'm a backup quarterback for the Jaguars. I was like, no, no, no. I could, but I'm too old. I'm too old, you know. Uh, nothing but a shitty Peyton Manning. But I work with Peyton twice. That's my claim to fame. And um, so, listen, Kleenex spot. But now uh, let me ask you one more thing. Uh, I want to talk about how about <laughs> the best part when you live in the same town and you got to get, get, get up in the morning, say you have two or three auditions especially this is pre-pandemic shit and you get on the train. Usually Jeff always got in earlier than I did, but on the way home sometimes on those hot New York city days, you know, maybe one of us had a bad audition trying to deal with our families. Okay, and, so and make it so all just together. so you know, only you had bad auditions, Jimmy. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, I, I may have had bad days. You only you had bad auditions. Oh, you see that? First of all, I always, I always, like a couple of three pointers late to cover the spread, but we'd be on the train. It would be hot. And we'd be just like totally spent because it costs you, you know, 25, $30 going to the city, you audition and guys like me and Jeff always stop at the diner, get lunch. So it's like, okay, what a good business thing. Lose $60 and then perform in front of some person and then come home with no money to show for it. And you, you know, and your booking ratio is, is, uh, is it's like, you know, baseball batting averages. Um, of course I'd be more like Joey Gallo. You'd be more like a judge, but um, it, it just was, and you're on the train and it's just, I mean, tell me about, I, I love talking to actors about like that, just that grind of like, 
especially when you go like oh for eight on auditions or oh you don't get any auditions. It's like the worst feeling in the so, world. So, you know, I remember when when I first got a commercial agent. I was first with Abrams, and these were the days of like a ridiculous number of auditions. Like I'd have seven in a day. I'd have. I came I'd in have, just after that. I got I'd have two auditions, two and 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 like you, I'd have weeks of like twenty something auditions, and you're wiped out, and you're going between places, you're carrying an entire suitcase. So that's that struggle. I remember ruining a suit in the subway of New York because it was like 130 degrees in the subway, and I sweat through my Joseph Abood suit. I love that you said the brand. See, that's why. Flash forward. I would have said I went. I ruined my men's warehouse suit. <laughs> flash forward. Flash forward. To Chris now, doesn't even have a suit. Where, where, you don't go anywhere for auditions. Well, you know, you you're have, right. I remember if you have three you, auditions in a week. That that's a boom week. I feel like we're all in a in a in a black hole of um of showbiz because you don't like I. All my friends in showbiz I met six years ago because the new ones or the new casting people, I don't know what they look like. I don't know. Uh, you know, if I submit something to a casting director, I, I don't, you know, you don't know, is she a pain in the ass? Is she sweet? Is she nice? Which you just, you're, you're well, in this black no hole. casting directors are pains in the ass, Jimmy. Jeffrey. They, they're all great. All casting they're all directors great. are awesome. Listen. You know what I mean? They they don't they don't want you sending them emails that kind of thing, um, you know. Uh, but it's it's um listen, listen don't don't tell me just because you can't go into Beth Melsky anymore. Do not, do wow. not. Put that wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Palumbo getting involved with it. Oh, that's not true. Jeff books tons of work. <laughs> um, but listen, I, I you're right. Also, even if you weren't making money in showbiz, you were moving like going to auditions. You felt. Like yeah. I, you felt better about yourself. It would be Chris. The only way to describe it is if like, how about if you had to do eight, nine podcasts a day, 10, 12, like every day, different ones every week, you felt like you were doing podcasts and all of a sudden it gets reduced to like one and you do it and you don't ever get to hear it. It's like you put it out there. So it, it, it was like, I remember like even now doing the voiceovers from home with the mic and everything. Uh, it, it, you just there's no one telling you, okay, Jimmy, slow it down, speed it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, on I, your own. I, I agree. I mean, I, I love having the input, um, and uh, I, I kind of miss that. You know, um, you you were talking about actors like us, I, and and one has these conversations from time to time that I'm still able to do my favorite thing ever. Um, and make money doing it is super fortunate. You know, I think uh, the whole notion of job security, now that doctors can get fired, like once you can fire a doctor, there's no such thing as job security, you know? Right. Um, right. And I think that that um, I the the longer you and I can stay in this, the, the longer we can stay in it, right? So our willingness to stay in it and increases the likelihood that we'll be staying it for even longer because there is attrition. Look, during the strikes, you know, we had the strike, we had the pandemic. I mean, I know people who lost their homes. I know people who just had to give it up. I knew people had to move out of town. I, and 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 so yeah, I, I'm still feeling pretty I fortunate. got I got very 
during the during the commercial strike years ago, I got lucky because I happened to book stuff just before the strike, some VO stuff from Mercedes and this, that, and the other thing. And so during the time of the strike, I had checks coming in. You know, I just yeah. got a little lucky yeah, with too. the timing of that. And and it lasted even after the strike ended. Yeah, and, I, I think, um, you know, I, so. It, it was a rut. Now, between that and the pandemic, that was like, those are some rough. Um, yeah. I had to make some decisions. Uh, look, I, I don't, uh, I don't that, recommend this for, to anybody. Like, I don't right. recommend that you become an actor. I don't, I'm not, I, I would never say, yeah, you know, you, you have all these things to choose from. If it's not a vocation for you and you're not driven to do it and you don't get joy out of doing it, then don't do it. Um, if well, you want to get famous, I, you know, don't do it, you know? I know, uh, you know, um, it's something not talked about. Like, everybody talks about sometimes actors and celebrities, they get caught up in drugs or alcohol and stuff like that. And and, and sometimes even worse things them. that they... But the, uh, the, the I'm not, but, I'm not they, famous enough to afford them because otherwise, well, of course, I would do them. But the uh, uh, well, I know you can afford a little tequila on the side there, Jeffrey. Okay, but tequila. um, I I think that's medicinal, I think what, though. It's medicinal, medicinal. Okay, I have my Johnny Walker black to get me through uh, when the Yankees blow a game. But the um, I think what's not talked about oh, the acting people talk about all oh, you get the, the actors are wacky and all that stuff. And I, yeah, there's some that are, but most of them are, you know, just jerks like you and I trying to make a go of it. And I think what's not discussed a lot is the, the personal toll, not drugs and alcohol. It's the, the personal toll on your uh, initially on your, your, your mother and father who have to watch you dive into a business you know, it's almost like you're, you're watching your kid dive into a pool of snakes, hoping that they can get to the other side. And then uh, when you have a married life, children and marriage and kids and all that, uh, um, it's it, it the showbiz can take a tremendous toll on you personally and, and your family life. Your family, ha you know, it's, it's 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 hard. It's hard. It really is. Well, I think I think the, I, so I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I, I don't think that there's anything unique about the toll of acting on somebody any more than than people who are lawyers who are working you know 13 hour days or bankers who are you know are talking to abu dhabi and and and, and boston at the same time i think the difference is and i don't know if you, this is how you feel is is there is there seems to be a, uh, an abyss of understanding a lack of understanding that that auditioning which doesn't pay you money is work that the there's a there's an intellectual and emotional commitment you have to make that requires time to prep that it's that it's not just going in and and, and performing it's not about that at all that it takes the right. same amount of time and energy to get yourself prepared for an audition or a role and that you're not given people don't have boundaries around that you're not given certainly by, by certain people in, in my life, um, you, you're, you were not given um, the respect. And, and that's actually worse here in the States because to be honest, anybody here can call themselves an actor. Like you just say, I'm an actor, you're, you're an actor. And when I was living in London, you only could call yourself an actor if you got trained. I mean, the reason I went and got trained is because I was raised by, uh, uh, my, my dad's a doctor and he went to medical school and I knew lawyers and they went to law school and I knew business people, they went to business school. So I'm an actor, I go to acting school like that. Like, of course, you have to get right. better at what you do. You have to learn 
what is not intuitive and what is not art, there's parts of it that are a craft, that are learnable. And, and uh, it was important to me that I tracked it as a professional. And I came back to the States and, and, and one can almost forgive those who don't respect what we do because a lot of actors themselves haven't earned the respect and don't respect it themselves. Well, I, I think actors. I think also people with acting, they think, well, that was your choice. Like, so if a plumber, if a plumber has a bad year and he loses some, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're a plumber. Yeah, that's cool. But when you're an actor, it's like, oh, well, well, you chose to do that. And especially when you have a body of work, you don't get to say, well, yeah, but I've been on, I just, what I do, I make it, I make a decent it, buck some yeah, years. Yeah. You know? Look, it's also, look, I, I have insurance. I have a pension. Um, our union isn't a union, it's a guild. So I don't I don't right. have a hiring hall. I have to right. still compete with my although with my, that would be great if there was a hiring hall with the hall. So but people just people just don't understand. They just don't. Even people who I know and love and who care about me, they don't understand. I mean, I'm in the middle of shooting like a movie it. right now and I, I work Wednesdays through Sundays, twelve hour days. Um, it's my first lead in a feature. And I couldn't be happier, but it's awesome. work, man. It is hard work to keep up your energy. I mean, as, as the main actor, I, I've never been number one on a call sheet for uh, a feature film. And as the main actor, I mean, I love doing it and I am boundless energy. I'm mean, definitely an for, for those who don't know, just for those who don't know what he means by that on the call sheet, they list the names of the actors in the, in the movie. And it'll say like number one, say George Clooney or something or, you know, whatever. Uh, and then it goes all the way down. And then so Jeff, for the first time on this film, was the number one actor. Yeah, I am. So the highest true. I ever got was uh, in beer league. I was ranked fifth in the country. Um, so, so, Lane so, what's, so what's, but, but it requires, you know, a, 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 level, no, it's a, a level of energy and intent and commitment in that space, in that moment in time throughout the freaking day. And I'd like to see anybody... Yeah. You know, my my dad, who's still a practicing physician at the age of 85, um, his office closes for an hour for lunch. I we get I'm I'm eating and learning lines in in a in a little room, right. like you know, in so a trailer. I know. Um, yep, yep. Hold on one second. Anyway, so I um, is that your is that your agent calling? Yeah, it's my book? agent saying, "Why no, are you I, talking I, shit about me?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, but, but oh, don't I, worry I'm... about that, too. You know, one of the reasons the other thing I think that's helping me or has helped me stay in, you know, I've been represented my entire career. I, I never really had a period where I had no agent for a while. I had a lot of different agents. Um, I've been with the same manager, Kat Segworth, uh, with um, Bohemia is just terrific and has been a champion of mine for many years. And I'm now with KMR um, across the board and their fans and and that kind of support is also like to get perfect it's one thing for your family to support you right and and that's not a little thing like that's a big thing like if you're if you're mm -hmm. battling and and with my you know with again a certain ex significant other um that battle was pretty consistent about her lack of respect for the for what i what it took for me to do what i had to do um but, but it certainly is great having familial support, but having professional support and respect is also um, hugely important. I mean, what we do is really this internal thing. Like if you don't have that engine that, under, that, that has the confidence 
to say, I, I can do this. Like, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, it's not arrogance, it's confidence. I, I'm not the best actor, I'm not the worst actor. I'm an actor, a working actor. I know what I'm doing, this is my process. But to have somebody on the outside then saying, and I like watching that, like I, and getting enough roles where like, I was having this conversation with my mother, like it doesn't take a lot. Like you give me one, right. one, one juicy role in a year, I'm good. Like I'm good for the year. I, I, right. I, I, I know what you mean. I'll, I'll go build websites Listen, for the rest of the year. I'm like, I had, I had my thing. Um, and it's been, I, uh, I, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than hearing from a, 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 another actor or a friend that they see on some, some movie or the TV show. And then they always say like, Oh my God, it's really cool to see him. And I get that. But sometimes people are like, Hey man, that seems really cool. I totally, and all of a sudden like just that three line sentence yeah, from somebody. I, I, and it I could be some you. guy, at the deli, and you and you're flying high for a week. Yeah, I can tell you. you know, it, it, first of all, doing it for me is always better than whatever accolades I might get. But I have to say, you know, Daredevil is really the first time I've ever had fans that I'm aware of. I may have had some right. fans, but Daredevil is the first time where. So we were talking about professional respect and support. I've had that for a while, but suddenly with Daredevil, I'm doing comic cons, and Daredevil, I'm having people ask me for my autograph and pay me for my autograph. And, and at first I remember thinking, and I had the conversation with Deborah Ann Wall, who is also in Daredevil. And, and we were saying like, it, it feels funky. Like if it's a little exploitative of me, it's a little disingenuous of me with the fans. And when I did my, after I did my first one, and I realized that these are people who had really invested so much, like this show means something to them. They invested themselves into it. They know more about my character than I know. And and right. and and to give back to I them, get that with beer I've, league sometimes. <laughs> I've never had I've never I never thought that I'd have fans and 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 it it, it one it makes one very humble. There's one this one kid, this is such a sweet story. You're down I was down in Nashville and a young man now realized Daredevil first started airing in 2015. So this is seven years ago, right? And this, this young man is um, in a wheelchair, uh, like college age, comes to my table and he, he, I'm why he came. Now this, this Comic-Con down in Nashville is a very uh, Star Wars heavy Comic-Con. It's the ICC con, it's, it's great, but it's very Star Wars heavy. And this one guy saw I was going to be there and showed up just for me because my show has a superhero with a disability. Wow. And my show is why this young man who started watching it a long time ago, then goes through college or, or goes through high school and decides to become a lawyer because this superhero with disabilities is a lawyer. I, well, it blew it, my mind. It blew my mind. So... There's no I'm, doubt, and like it wasn't about me at all, but that that the show had that much impact. You don't know what you don't know. The beautiful part about art in general, like we don't know who we're impacting. And if you if you're an artist and you you you, you have to have a level of humility and understand that you you can never know the what kind of impact you're having on the people who are observing the work you're doing because you don't you don't you don't know right. what their backstory is. You don't know what their front story is. You don't know when in their life they saw. The show you may not even it may not even be about you, but you're part of a collective of an art piece that impacted them, 
And it was really, it's, it, it's been really amazing. So, you know, all of those things, you put those things together, Jimmy, and, and like, that's, that is a really positive thing about a very difficult business. That's a hugely yeah. positive yeah. thing about a, a business well, that just sucks ass. Well, Jeffrey Cantor at jeffreycantor.com. Uh, it's got a big movie coming up called Jane. Stick with us for right now. Just hang with us for a second. Um, this, um, I got a sponsor to read. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. It's Pine Tar Bar and Grill, 121 South Main Street, Fork and River, New Jersey, 609-489-4286. They're open from 1130 a.m. to close. You got to check wait, this place. If you ever go down... What's 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 the name of it again? Pine Tar Bar and Grill in Forked River. You thought I said I'm, fucking writing, river, I'm writing this down. You would love this place. It's got all what kind of food? owned by my buddy Tommy. It's got all every game. They got more televisions. They know what to do with. They got they're big at college football, pro football. They got karaoke, beer pong, bands, indoor, outdoor, all kinds of stuff. Go down and check out. They're down in the Fork and River. It's down by LBI. Go check it out. You'll love this place. I guarantee it. And uh, we're going to discuss a couple of things. First of all, my daughter had a Halloween party last week. I had uh, at, at, at Natalie's mom's house, 17, 13-year-old girls <laughs> bouncing around, eating candy, throwing stuff all over the place. Um, they were all very did sweet, have, but it was just... Did you have a pinata? We had a uh, 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 throw spiders on the wall kind of thing. Com we had competitions. We set up teams. The girls were really competitive about it. It was awesome. What did um, she dress up as? Well, they came from dance. So everybody was only dressed in like Halloween pajamas. There was no full-blown costumes. Um, I had a shirt that said, instead of daddy, it said daddy. And her mom had one that said mummy. So we were mummy and daddy, which, you know, God bless. Um, it was a great time. It was just crazy to have these girls. They're like guys, guys break things, but, but girls litter. Like there was like, there was candy corns on the floor in areas. Like, like they were, they, they, it, it was like, there was makeup mixed in with candy. How did that? Like, it was just, it just mayhem, but they had an absolute blast. It was fun. Just a shout out to my daughter. She had a blast. And, um, She's got a really cool role in the Nutcracker coming up on November 19th and 20th, which I looks like I will have a part in. And um, so that's wait, wait, just a little wait, shout out. Wait, wait, wait. Don't you run over this one. The You're Nutcracker? Have a part. Wait a minute. I want clarity. <laughs> I want some clarity. So let's rewind. So Nutcracker. Starring yes. Jimmy Palumbo. No, as... no, not starring. I'm, I play one of the in the in the party scene. You're familiar with the Nutcracker. I, I play one of the dads, and I do have to do a little kind of dance, a little serenade with oh one of the God, other moms. Jimmy Palumbo back on stage. Everybody, From... hi. This is Jeffrey. Tell me. I just want to give a little <laughs> shout out to Jimmy Palumbo, who will be appearing in the Nutcracker as a father. Not only can he From act, downtown he can Oakland, sing, New Jersey. Podcast, but Jimmy Palumbo can dance. Jimmy Palumbo is now the premier ballerina. I, I would not say I'm dancing. I just do a little kind of spin move. Uh, it's all, all right. about the kids Whatever. dancing. Not about, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, we'll I'm call it a jiggle. My, we'll call it a little jiggle. All, yeah, but just. I, I, I think I think this is going at the top of your resume. Well, first of all, if it was if it was you doing this role, this on top of the marquee would say, Jeffrey Cantor presents the Nutcracker. But I'm no, a little more no, humble sorry. than you are. Hello. <laughs> Not a producer. Uh, 
All right, so I'm gonna be in the Nutcracker. Jimmy, Jimmy's like, of course, so I'm, Jimmy, I'm gonna miss the. I can just imagine Jimmy. You'll, you'll be at, you'll be at casting director. Like, so Jimmy, when was the last time you were on stage? Well, I remember when I did the Nutcracker. <laughs> That's right. I'm performing I, uh, the Nutcracker. But I remember uh, I did the Nutcracker. It was I, a tour de force. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Chris, have you watched The Watcher at all? TV show. I watched the first episode last night, and guess what? My brother lives like four houses away. Right. I. That's crazy. I actually, My I, brother I, lives I, on the block. There was newscasters listen, well, I'm on from a that area. yesterday. I, that's, yeah. That's from. Well, you know, we grew up down around there. I. Uh, I actually hate the show. It I was didn't too like. It. like uh, I. I. Um. I saw we one watched, episode, so all, I can't say I don't like the show. But it was just like I, I'm not really into the horror stuff at all. So I, that's I watched why three, I'm but it was like half comedy, half horror, half. I actually watched three episodes. I was like, oh, my God. I just went right to the last episode and just said, what the hell happens to this family? Um, I was like, and even the ending was like, what? Because nothing, they still don't know what happened there. I, I, I Bobby Cannavale was great. Mia Farrow. Yes, Jeffrey. I, I, I'm just wondering what you didn't like the show. No, did you? I, I don't, I didn't watch the show, but I'm also not talking about it. On, so, so how? Is there a show that you like? Tons of shows. Huh? Game of I'm Thrones, House of Dragons. Like, why'd you pick the one show that like you're not liking? Well, because it's it's not, it's kind of a hot topic now, Jeff. Be, you oh, know, is it? What am I going to do? Talk. Well, when I was in London studying at the London School of the Arts, I'm going to talk about London all day. See, this is could be the beauty of the show. So when Jimmy Plummer goes after his guests, that could be fun. I love you anyway, Jeffrey. Um, well, House of, House of Dragons. Um, I was not digging House of Dragons either, even though I was addicted to it because I love Game of Thrones. But this last episode, Chris, did you watch it? Of House of Dragons? Yeah. No, I didn't, no, you, I didn't you, see it yet. Okay. I won't, don't, I won't don't, give anything away, but it, no, I'm dare. just saying, it finally, it finally became like, Game of Thrones. I was like, oh, this show's on now. To, I thought you were about to ruin no, it. No, I would never do that. Um, also, in my life, um, uh, this is a shout out to all the mechanics in the world, because I got my car fixed, and it cost me $1,300. Um, I sent the bill to Jeff Cantor, but he didn't pay it, so I had to pay it myself. Um, send it to my ex. Is there anything? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Send it to my ex. He's got all my money. There's a big shout out to my... Uh, my, uh, it's, I find it funny. My mechanic's name is Fabian, um, which is a name you don't hear much. And he's an awesome mechanic in downtown Mawa. And he got the job done. I also have to do a little shout out here. And we got to end this show. This is a long one. Um, Rutgers basketball starts in a little bit. I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Mark, Mark Agliata, who lives in Allendale right next door. Big Rutgers basketball fan. He thinks they're going to be very, very good. I'm a little more cautious. I think they're going to be just Okay. They'll be fighting for an NIT spot with, say, six, seven games to go. Uh, he thinks they got this kid, Cam Spencer, is going to change it. I don't know. So I got to give a shout-out to my boy, Googs. And listen, we went an hour and ten minutes, a little long, but that's because we had the great Jeff Cantor. Oh, by the way, you know what? I, I was just going to show this kid. No one can even see this. I'm, I got an Isabel Sanford star from the Walk of Fame. Jeff, you have to laugh at this. Wheezy. From the Jefferson. <laughs> I went to her. I don't know why. It just was sitting on my desk right here. I went to her Walk of Fame ceremony years ago in 2004, and they gave these out. Have you ever been to a Walk of Fame ceremony where you were no. behind the podium? 
I got one from Isabel Sanford, right? It's probably a collector's item. I probably make money on this. Uh, my dear friend, Henry Pollock invited me. She was friends with her. And I went to a walk, a Hollywood walk of fame, uh, the ceremony. Is that something well, you've Jimmy, done, Jeff? Jimmy, when I get mine, I promise to invite you. And you can do a <laughs> podcast on that. Yes, I'm going to invite the entire Isabel Sanford family to mine. All right, everybody. Listen, Jeffrey, thank you so much. Chris Gucci I behind the glass as always. Hopefully your Packers will win. Let's go Yankees at 4 o'clock. And um, listen, God bless. And I will be on next week with a very special guest. But I've been having very special guests, so that joke doesn't even work anymore. I'll see you um, next week, Jimmy. Yeah, see that? Never, Jeff's my, he's my new go-to guy when, I'm, when my other guest bails on me. That's it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Bye, and stay on the wall for one second. I'll talk to you. Peace. Yeah, yeah.